Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on Bango's birthday Sunday. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing else going on on this day, as far as I can tell. The Bucks also picked up win number 42. Uh, they beat the Phoenix Suns, the team that has given them, well, last year, certainly one, one of the only teams, along with the Thunder, that were able to beat the Bucks. Uh, they beat them twice, but the Bucks get their revenge today. They win 129 108. On a day game, it's always nice to see the Bucks start well and play well on a day game. That hasn't always been the case for them, but uh, some some really big numbers across the board against the Phoenix Suns team that is really just injury riddled. And we saw that they've got a bunch of guys that are out: Ricky Rubio, Aaron Baines, Frank Kaminsky, just to name a few. They only had eleven active players on the day, and uh, a couple of them were two-way uh, G League guys that had been called up. Uh, just for this road trip that they're on after this, they go to Brooklyn and they have Detroit after this. So look, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns are a team that are that are struggling right now just with bodies. And if you are a team that's lacking size against the Bucks, uh, they're going to go to work on you. And Milwaukee certainly did this today. And I'm going to go through a few of uh, the main takeaways from this game as we get rolling. But Giannis in this one puts up a monster line. He came one rebound and one assist shy of a 30-20-10 game, 30 points, 19 rebounds, 9 assists. He had a steal and a block as well. 10 for 21 from the field. So, again, we saw a couple of those uh, that he really might be the best player in the game at getting his own rebound. It was interesting. I was reading something on Zion Williamson, who, by the way, the Bucs will see in just a couple of days in New Orleans. But I was reading something about Zion, about his ability to rebound uh, his own miss. And it was was early in his career, but I think that he had got the offensive rebound on 12 of his 21 misses in his NBA career, which is just insane. And every single game, there seems to be once or twice that Giannis does the same thing. And he's just quicker at getting that second jump, getting up, grabbing the ball, grabbing the rebound, and putting it back in. He's just too explosive for the other big men uh, in there who are typically a little bit slower. Uh, you know, guys his size that Giannis is battling in there with, uh, he's always going to have the athletic advantage over them. So, yeah, Giannis, look, able to uh, put together just a monster line. He did play 30 minutes tonight. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's some pretty uh, efficient basketball there uh, to put up 30, 19, and 9 in, in just over 30 minutes. Uh, but some other notable uh, contributions for the Bucks. Brooke Lopez, a career-high nine blocks. We know how dominant he's been on the inside and he's had a couple of big games where he's put up six, seven uh, blocks this season. But uh, uh, today again, we saw a couple of those possessions where he can, he'll block two shots on the same possession. He'll get up and swat the first shot. Uh, the opposition in this case, the Suns will get the, the rebound. Lopez will block the ball again. We saw that for Lopez to pick up block number nine. There was still over eight minutes left in the game at that point, And it looked almost certain that Lopez was going to pick up 
uh, that 10th block, but it wasn't to be. But nonetheless, a career-high nine blocks for Brook Lopez today. He also added 17 points, and I, I will get into how the Bucks used him offensively a little bit here in just a few minutes. I, I think it was interesting that the Bucks were able to take such uh, – uh, such advantage of uh, the the size that they did have that I already pointed to, but for Lopez, seventeen points. Uh, he was actually seven for sixteen from the field, but if you take away uh, the three point attempts, just continues to struggle. One for six from three today for Brook, but he was six for ten from two point range, and uh, they got the ball to him uh, in the paint. They got him some deep catches, some early catches in the shot clock, and he was able to take advantage. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's always interesting when we see this little. Uh, wrinkle to Brook Lopez game that has been largely uh, removed uh, in 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 the Bud era as he has become more of a uh, perimeter guy that that is out there for that gravity for that spacing for Giannis and the other guys to go to work in the paint. But uh, overall, a, a really nice night for Brook Lopez and, and nine blocks. Uh, he continues to strengthen that case just a little bit for the potentially. An all-defense nod, potentially defensive player of the year. We've spoke the reasons why we think that might be difficult, namely the fact that he plays next to Giannis. But uh, uh, he's having as big an impact as anyone in the league defensively. Uh, I'll be happy to argue that one <laughs> all night because he, he's just having an incredible season. After uh, a year where he was great last year and you didn't think that he could possibly get better, well, he, he's done just that. And uh, we always talk about importance to the Bucks team and and look no doubt uh you know Chris Milton's having a fantastic year we always talk about Bledsoe and what he does uh defensively and sort of just the pace that he generates but Brook Lopez for mine I mean he is behind Giannis the most important Bucks player just because of of exactly what uh, I've been talking about his paint defense the really anchoring the number one defense in the league you always see him out there communicating directing traffic telling people where to be and uh these guys have so much confidence that they can funnel uh, their opponent straight into Brook, and he's going to swat the shot away, and uh, and and yeah, again repel another attack from the opposition. He's been absolutely fantastic, and the other guy, Chris Milton, come on, twenty-five points, eight rebounds, six assists, sixty percent from the field, sixty percent from three, hundred percent from the free throw line. I don't know when this is going to stop from Chris Milton. Still, obviously, having the fifty, forty, ninety season. I, I tweeted it out during, at the end of the game there. Milton is just treating the entire NBA right now like they're the Boston Celtics. I always thought that uh, when the, the debate raged about Chris Milton, was he a max player? Where, does, where is his actual standing in the league? And you would always get Celtics fans that would, uh, you know, as far as opposition fans go, like certainly overrate him because we know that he's just tortured the Celtics over the years. He's had some of the, the best games of his career uh, against Boston. And, uh, you know, today, again, he, he put, put one on the, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you know, only 15 shots. His efficiency is just through the charts, off the charts, I should say. And, uh, uh, you know, he he's obviously was without doubt an all-star lock. But I've spoken about this before, and I need someone to debate this with, so I'm going to have to wait until Frank gets back to really uh, get stuck into this. But... Uh, I just the the more he plays at this level, the more the Bucks keep winning. His credentials for All NBA are becoming really, really legit in my in my opinion. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's getting you over 20 points a night, 50, 40, 90 shooting splits on a team that is right now 
the favorite to win the NBA championship, 70 win pace, 42 and seven after today. This guy, I just, I, I think that he's, he's up there. He's right up there. And you would be able to make a case against most of the other guys that are in that conversation. I'm not saying his first team All-NBA. There's three All-NBA teams, and I think Chris Milton is building uh, that case to put his name right in there. He's, he's having a fantastic season. And again, uh, today, you just expect it. And I think that that's the, the crazy thing about Chris Milton right now. You look at the box score and you're like, oh, yeah, you're like that seems about right. You never expect him to miss anymore. He's shooting with such confidence and getting to his spots so well that uh, you just are honestly stunned when he misses. We saw him fouled on a couple of jump shots today. Just just loving what Chris Milton is doing for this team at the moment. Uh, Just having an absolutely incredible year. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven, or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. All right, so I did joke right off the top that there was nothing else going on uh, this afternoon. It was Bengo's birthday, which, by the way, for those that were in attendance, all the mascots from other teams, the Badgers mascot was out there, a few other NBA teams were out there. They had, out of a timeout, or during a timeout, sorry, they have this uh, 30 seconds trivia game that I'm sure most people have seen, whether you watch on League Pass or you see it at the arena where they have to guess uh, uh, or name a a number of things. So it might be name all the NBA teams or whatever in 30 seconds and you have to get as many as you can. Uh, Today they had a fan up there and the topic was NBA mascots. And uh, this this guy really struggled. It was brutal. It was uncomfortable. I didn't want to watch at some point. I think he got seven. It was rough. And, And honestly, I think he made up a couple of those seven as well. So it was tough times for him. But then they rubbed the salt right into the wound by putting Robin Lopez up against him, who, uh, you know, let's be real, I don't think there's anyone in the league with as good a knowledge of mascots as Robin Lopez. And uh, he got 21, which, by the way, I I tweeted he had 21 out of 30. I was correctly corrected that there isn't 30 mascots in the league, which is ridiculous, by the way. If you don't have a mascot, like, what are you doing? But I guess the Knicks don't have one. The Warriors, the Lakers, maybe Brooklyn. There was a couple of other teams that didn't have a mascot. So I don't know. I'm just guessing here. So let's just say there's there's 25 mascots. Well, Robin Lopez named 21 in 30 seconds. And he had the full names. Like this this guy, this guy's just incredible. It was one of the one of the fun things from uh today's game. But like I said, I did say there's nothing else to on today on, but there is the Super Bowl. Maybe that's why I didn't hear from Frank today. Maybe the, the Twitter rivalry we've had over the last few weeks where he's been correcting my 
Australian or Queen's English to how you guys spell things all week, giving me shit about that. Maybe he's maybe he's just pissed off and doesn't want to talk to me. But it is the Super Bowl. It's 5.23 right now. So I've only just got back from the arena as I started recording this. So I've got a beer here. I've got a beer with me. Trying to get through this podcast so I can uh, watch this game. We've got a party to go to tonight, so it should be fun times. But I want to talk about Brook Lopez because it's something that we've spoke about a lot with him in terms of how you utilize him offensively. And we saw something today right from the start, and I think it was an obvious move in terms of the size mismatch that the Bucks had down there. We saw right from the outset, Brook Lopez starts the game with a dunk, first points on the board within the first 15 seconds of the game. A couple of possessions later, the ball just gets lobbed over the top to Brook Lopez standing there. He really, he simply just outreached the guy, dropped in the ball, and they attempted another little lob a couple of minutes later where he was fouled on the shot. And so you're like, okay, well, this is already just about as much as we see Brook Lopez shooting the two all season because he just doesn't do it. Averages 4.2, two-point attempts per game. Not a guy that gets to the foul line a lot. So while we've seen sporadic use of Brook Lopez offensively in the paint, I think tonight was a, a, a clear tactic from the Bucks to say, well, okay, we know these guys aren't going to be, be able to match it with us down there. Obviously, DeAndre Aiden is a presence down there. Not really known for his defense, though, and he actually picked up a, a couple of quick fouls. He seemed frustrated by that, and I want to touch on Aiton a little bit more in a little bit because I was in the Suns' locker room after the game, and <laughs> he had some stuff to say. But as far as Lopez goes, like I said, 6 for 10. And this is, this is kind of like an underrated weapon that the Bucks have offensively, particularly when they get stuck in the half court because we know at times they can get bogged down a little bit. They get stuck shooting the threes. And we've seen it in games, particularly games that they've lost. I always just keep thinking to, to the Boston game at the start of the season. The Miami game was, was much the same, where they got stuck just bombing away from three. Giannis wasn't able to uh, get in the paint because the more the Bucs were shooting, the more the Bucs were missing. It allowed the opposition to really uh, shut them down. So uh, I think getting the ball into Brook, allowing him to go to work a little bit, is a nice change of pace. And maybe it happens more when Giannis is off the floor in, in minutes in lineups where you want to run Lopez uh, potentially for stretches with a guy like Bledsoe with, with Giannis off the floor so then you don't feel like you're minimizing what Giannis can do without that spacing. But I did ask Bud about this after the game and I said, well, I, you know, it looked clear today that it was a, a tactic and he sort of nodded his head and then uh, he, he, he sort of went on to say, well, you know, it, it's a real challenge for me as a coach, to understand what direction do I need to go with this? We predicate our offense on pace and space, which Brooke has been such a big part of. So how can I maximize what he can do in the post and how can I utilize that as a weapon and then also understand that the best, uh, or not the best, but one of the more efficient ways of allowing Giannis that space is, okay, surrounding with four shooters, put them in the blue boxes that we all know about 
and say, Giannis, okay, you go to work. You make the right decision. You make the right reads. You either can attack the basket, score in there, as we know you do better than anyone in the league, or you can kick the, kick the ball out to an open shooter and we can knock down three. So uh, he said that that in general has been a challenge uh, for him as a coach trying to figure out, oh, okay, we have a guy like Chris Milton. We know what he's doing in the post right now. You know, those little mid-range shots that we didn't see a lot of last season. So how do I utilize Chris in there and, and allow him to go to work in the spots that he loves to? How do I get the ball into Brook and utilize his size and finishing ability in there uh, that he's gone away from? And the other one, he said, uh, how do I put a guy like Eric Bledsoe in, in, in more pick-and-roll situations where he's at his most dangerous? So uh, I think sometimes we do watch this Bucks team and they get so focused on Giannis and it's all Giannis. It's like, okay, you've got the ball at the top. Figure something out here. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of actions, a lot of different movements. It's just simply, Giannis, you're great. Let's see what you can do. Uh, I think this year, right across this, the season, we've seen different things sprinkled in there. Tonight, they went to Brook. Uh, all indications from, from what Bud said after the game is that, that this is something that he's genuinely thinking about and, and that we might see more uh, of moving forward. And I think that's great. I mean, we speak about how this Bucks team has changed over the summer. We talk about the fact that uh, no, like personnel-wise, there wasn't huge changes. We talk about the addition of Dante DiVincenzo. Obviously, Kyle Korver is another guy that, that's come in, Wesley Matthews, and, and you lose a, a Brogdon. But for the most part, it's the same personnel. So, so where do you change? Sure, Giannis, like shooting threes, that's cool. But it's been Chris Milton getting to his spots a little bit more. It's been saying, okay, well, uh, you know, we're struggling here offensively. Let's dump the ball into Brook a couple of possessions in a row. We've seen that on multiple times now in games. So I think that it's a good sign because we all know that people criticize Bud for his lack of adjustments in the playoffs. Like that is a criticism of him that you see very regularly. I personally think that's overblown. But if you're someone that feels that way, then these are the types of things you want to hear from him. You want to hear uh, Bud talking about himself, thinking about, okay, well, what do we do in situations where things aren't working? And this is just another little wrinkle to the game. So Brooke Lopez, uh, pretty effective tonight. You do have to say that, yes, it was a Phoenix Suns team. I mean, I've, I've banged on about the injuries that they've had and the guys that weren't there. So, okay, can you do this against all 30 teams and simply just lob the ball over the top and get Lopez an easy layup? No, you can't. And I understand that. But I like the thought process nonetheless that they can identify a team, identify lineups, identify matchups and say, okay, well, this is, this is what we're going to do in this situation. I like to see that tonight because it's interesting. You know, Brooke Lopez right now, Yet to have a 20-point game this season. And we might be at the point where we just have to say, okay, maybe he's not going to shoot the ball well. And maybe the shot isn't going to come back to last year's levels. Because it's Super Bowl Sunday. We're nearing the All-Star break here. 42-7. and seven. So we're 50 games into 49, 50 games into the regular season. And he still hasn't been able to shake the struggles from deep. So... Uh, you know, but we might be at the point where it's like, yeah, people are still going to defend Brook Lopez out there. There's no doubt. But how else can we use him offensively? Because simply putting him out there on the three-point line, people aren't are going to stop thinking about him a little bit and understand that, well, yeah, he's a threat out there. But uh, it's, it's February and he's still below 30%. So uh, while it's concerning, uh, I, I do like that they're finding other ways to get him involved. And the 17 points for him was a real positive on this day.
Okay, so I did mention before that I wanted to talk about DeAndre Ayton a little bit and the the officials. It was wild post game. So uh, I mean, most people know that I, I do some freelance stuff back home. So clearly, uh, when the Australian players come through town, I try and get them, talk to them, write about them, and and earn some money. Like that's you know that's that that keeps me here. Those types of things. So obviously, Aaron Baines was the story this time. So I wanted to talk to DeAndre Ayton post game. So I went into the Suns locker room. And uh, he was, let's just say that he was fired up about the officials, okay? So there was probably about seven minutes of questions to DeAndre Ayton and every single one of them came back to the officials. He wasn't happy. He said that the, the officials weren't allowing the Suns to compete. He said, well, we're out here. We're playing against the best team in the NBA and the officials aren't letting us compete. He said the officials ran this game. They didn't give the Suns a chance. There was no way the Suns could be competitive in this game with the, with the way uh, the officials called it. So it, it, was, it was a really bizarre uh, post-game uh, presser with, with Aiton. Interestingly enough, I mean, you look at the free throws in this one. Phoenix attempt 23. The Bucks attempt 27. And both teams shot a pretty high percentage of their field goal attempts in the paint. Phoenix finished just 25 for 58 in there, while Milwaukee, uh, 26 for 46, is typically efficient night for Milwaukee inside. But uh, the, the frustration for mine looked like it was certainly coming from the from the Bucks' end. Giannis, again, seemed to be working through a lot of contact. He definitely got some some earlier calls than we would see. Uh, you know, sometimes before he even made the catch or the the pass came into him, he was called for, or the Suns were called for that that contact prior to the catch. It's interesting how this happens sometimes that all of a sudden the whistles will come out and they'll blow those. But I, I still thought there was a lot of frustration from the Bucks side. You saw Giannis in the in the fourth quarter throw down a dunk, and you you guys know when you see Giannis when he puts that little bit extra on the dunk. A little bit of aggression, a little bit of extra aggression and lets a bit of emotion out. That's typically when he's frustrated about something and he was having a monster night. So I can only assume that was directed toward the officials. We saw Brook Lopez on a Devin Booker drive get called for the foul. And Booker, like, I mean, very clearly, like he very clearly extends his forearm. That's a move that he does. Brook Lopez is so disciplined that uh, a lot of the times you won't be able to get the call that so many players do when when the big goes straight up initially, but then ends ends up bringing their arms down. Brook Lopez does not do that, uh, and that's why he gets so many block shots and not called for the foul. He just goes straight up and down. He does that, and and Bud and and Brook Lopez were, were furious about that call, <laughs> the one that they called that one on, on Booker. So it was just interesting to hear John Dre Aiden so fired up about the officiating on a night where. I would say both teams had some claims to say that they were disappointed with the officiating. Uh, I don't know if other teams are as extreme about this. I don't watch enough of other teams on a nightly basis to know, but it's certainly been an ongoing thing for the Bucks with the way Giannis is called uh, that nightly. There is there is real frustration with the officials from the Bucks from Bud. And I, I always see stuff on Twitter like Bud needs to get himself thrown out. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I th- actually thought the last game. Uh, against Denver, I actually did think Bud was going to get thrown out. The way that he was remonstrating with the officials, uh, the way he was uh, being very animated in their direction, after even after he picked up the first text. So, listen, I mean, he's working the officials. He hasn't been thrown out. But sometimes I think that might be the officials saying, okay, yeah, we, we, 
we haven't done a great job here today. Uh, that's that's not throw this guy out because because we suck. <laughs> and uh, I th- think that that was the case uh, a little bit here. But listen, before we look to wrap this up, and by we, I mean me, a couple other things from tonight's game. Uh, remember George Hill uh, still out with that uh, hamstring injury. By the way, did anyone see him walk in? If you looked on the Instagram, on the Twitter with the white cowboy hat, quite the look from George Hill. Not many people could pull that off, but uh, he certainly did. But he's still out with the hamstring. So Bud was actually kind of hesitant the other night when we spoke to him uh, and said that, look, this, is, this could be quite some time. So uh, I don't really know what that means. He didn't elaborate on that. But I, I would expect that he's still got a couple of games on the sideline here. Uh, definitely would not expect that he would be uh, playing in New Orleans on Tuesday night, which is a national TV game, by the way. So that's something to look forward to. But some of the other contributions uh, from this Bucks team tonight, it would be wrong not to talk about Dante DiVincenzo. Struggled from three all night, missed badly on a couple. He actually had a couple of opportunities to get Giannis that 10th assist and missed both of those. But he still finishes with 15 points, couple steals, Six for 12 from the field, just two for seven from three. So, uh, look, uh, we always talk about this. I think you take the good and the bad with uh, with Dante DiVincenzo because uh, he's going to be streaky. But one thing I will say, Fiser Forum Bucks fans love Dante DiVincenzo. And when he hits a three, it's almost as loud as it gets in there. And he hit back-to-back threes in the space of about 20 seconds in the fourth quarter tonight when the Bucks were really blowing this game uh, away. And it was loud in there. The crowd loves him. They love his energy. They love all the little things he does. And I'm really, I'm really impressed with the fact that his scoring is really coming along now. Earlier in the season, he was seven, having such a great impact. But these types of scoring nights, the 15-point games were very rare. Uh, he's really starting to make this a consistent thing. There was someone on Twitter that uh, mentioned that uh, the Bucks really missed him against Denver. And I, I did, you know, I, I said, oh, well, you know, Phoenix aren't Denver. And his counter was that the energy Dante brings to this team is severely missed when he's not there. And that's true. I do agree with that. I've said a few times that I could not anticipate that Dante DiVincenzo would be this important to this Bucks team this year. There's no way I would have imagined that. So the fact that uh, he's doing this on a nightly basis, you do miss when he's not there. So I was probably wrong on that one. I do agree. I think that this team did miss him against Denver. Do I think that would have changed the result and the way Denver was shooting the threes? No. But uh, they do miss his energy at times. So, uh, like I said, the Bucks beat the Suns 129-108. I do want to touch on that Denver game uh, just quickly here because I, I know uh, Frank and myself were going to record after that game. The 8 o'clock tip-off, it ended up being midnight when we got back. Frank wasn't able to, to go there. So, uh, while I, I don't think the specifics of that game uh, in, in relation to the Nuggets, we will go into uh, just standby for this week because as soon as I can get Frank back on, I, we will definitely go over the, the defense and the three-point defense in particular. Clearly, there's been a, a trend with the Bucks in losses that uh, other teams shoot really well. So uh, the numbers I have here, and, and this was uh, from prior to the, to the Nuggets game, so obviously this changes a little bit. But in the, in the 41 games that the Bucs had won at the time, before that Denver game, opponents were shooting 35.1% from three. In the six losses, 43.2%. And then against Denver, they shot 47.8%. So 
uh, that, that tells the story right there. It's no secret that if you shoot the lights out against the Bucks, then you, you might win the game. You give yourself a chance to win the game. And it was interesting, pre-game, Michael Malone was talking and, and he was asked a question about the Bucks giving up the threes. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, we, we know that they're the shots you're going to give them and we have to be prepared. Uh, they're the shots, sorry, that the Bucks are going to give you. And we have to be prepared to shoot it with confidence and knock them down. Well, they certainly did that. And Denver's a really good team. And they made the Bucks pay. Bucks still got the number one defense in the league. But this is what uh, we probably need to talk about, and I will, uh, certainly with Frank, the different ways that the Bucks could possibly adjust in a situation like that. Because, uh, you know, some of these teams that have beaten them, think about it. Boston, Miami, Utah, Denver, Philadelphia, Dallas. They're all playoff teams. You can say whether it's an outlier shooting night or not, which it has been. The fact that they're all playoff teams that have been able to find a way to beat the Bucs and take advantage of what the Bucs defense has given you is noteworthy. So, uh, yeah, just hold fire there. Stand by. We are going to get to that definitely. As soon as Frank gets back on the podcast, we're going to be talking Bucks defense and uh, what they need to look for when things aren't going their way. So we'll definitely touch on that. But I'm going to leave it there because... There is a football game on that I will loosely, loosely be watching in the background while I'm um, socializing, probably drinking too much, eating too much, and having a good time. So I hope everyone, well, everyone will be listening to this by the time it's over, but I hope everyone stays safe. safe. I hope everyone has a good Super Bowl evening. Because everyone will be watching this or listening to this after the game, I can make a prediction. Mahomes, as a Texans fan, as you guys know, I'm a Texans fan. Mahomes ripped my heart out a few weeks ago, so I'm going with the Chiefs. I think it's going to be high scoring. 38-31 Chiefs is my prediction, so you can all openly mock me for that when I'm, I'm well off. But for now, I'm going to leave it. We'll be back tomorrow. As I mentioned, the next game is really exciting. Pelicans, so the Bucs are going out to New Orleans. National TV game to take on Zion, who is just already an absolute highlight machine. So we look forward to that one. We're going to be able to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Like I said, also the defense. So, so hold out for that one. Apologies again, we didn't get up the weekend podcast. But for myself, Kane Pittman, and Frank, I'll give him a shout-out. Even though we've got a little bit of beef at the moment, I'll give Frank a shout-out. We'll be back tomorrow, guys.